Hello, I'm Pastor Rick, and welcome to our podcast. I hope that the message that you're about to hear will bless and encourage you today. If you're in a commercial operation like this in my other church, they, uh, many of the light fixtures use these four-foot-long fluorescents. Now, the one I had in my garage was easy to get to, but the ones in a church or in a commercial building, they're behind this plastic thing that kind of distributes the light and makes everything look good, but it's usually very, very tight. I'll tell you what, if you have ever been frustrated changing a fluorescent light bulb, well... There may have been some things uttered under your breath that probably were less than Jesus honoring. Martha, would you make your way this way? Martha, our former former custodian, used to be responsible for changing all of these when they started to flicker or go out. Why don't you go on that side there, Martha? Well, Recently, we were having lunch together as a staff, kind of as a a goodbye lunch to Martha. She's just recently resigned from her cleaning duties here at the church. And as we're sitting around having lunch together, Martha told a story that I have never heard before. And so this morning, we're going to open my message with listening to her story. Martha, tell us what happened. And it does involve one of these (laughs) and one of these. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Well, um, I, I just wrote things down. Uh, Hang on just a second. I Did I? Okay. You I don't know if it's on. It is. You need to talk really loud, please. All right, all right. All there right. you go. Okay. 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 So I was in the girls' bathroom in the basement trying to change one of these uh, bulbs with the stall divider right in the middle of the fixture. I quickly realized this, this is going to be a problem. So um, with these bulbs, you have to put the prongs in place and then turn the bulb. Um, I couldn't reach across the the stall divider to put both ends in place. So while I'm holding one end of the bulb in place, I'm looking at the other end, (laughs) wondering what am I going to do. I saw the other end of the bulb literally go up a few inches and turn into place. Um, It was gorgeous, and I was just like... Yes! (laughs) And uh, I was just excited because God just took, um, anyway, so so anyway, so after that happened, so with God's help, all I had to do now was just turn my end of the bulb just a little bit and lit up and I was out of there. So um, I wasn't expecting God to help me in this way, but man, it made me feel very loved and it helped me to realize that he's always with me even when I don't feel like he is. Amen. Amen. Stay right there for a second. I just want to make sure that you all caught what happened, okay? She's up on a ladder in the girls' restroom. There's a divider right here, so she's got her end in, and the other end is like, you know, do I set this, go to the other side? What she told us at lunch was she really felt that an angel lifted this side because there was nobody over there and you weren't tilting it up. It just went up by itself and turned in place. Today I'm speaking on miracles, miracles from your loving Savior, and I wanted to start this message by you hearing someone who received a very special miracle. Let's give it up for Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Martha. 
Listen, what I want you to know this morning is Jesus cares about you. He cares about the little and he cares about the large. He desires to be invited into every area of concern in your life, and I hope you will be encouraged as you listen to the stories about miracles from your loving Savior. Today we're going to look in the Bible at one of my favorite miracles in the life of Jesus, and this one is recorded in John's Gospel. And one of the reasons I like it is because it is um, so quiet, so behind the scenes. It's, it's almost ordinary, but it meets what seems to me a very unimportant need in someone's life. So as you're turning to the Gospel of John, chapter 2, I also encourage you to take out the note sheet that you were probably either handed at the door or you picked up off the table, because I'm going to make my first two points right off the top, even before we read the text. Point one this morning is Jesus is still performing miracles today. Jesus is still performing miracles today. You've heard a story of when you say, well, I don't know, that's that, I don't know how miraculous that is, a light bulb fitting in place. Listen, I've fought with those things. Martha is a little bit shorter than I am, and a bathroom stall is just as difficult to work around. It may seem like a little miracle, but I will tell you this, it mattered big time to her. Jesus is still performing miracles today. Now, there are some that teach that the age of miracles has passed, that when the last apostles died, when the first century church was finally established, then God stopped doing miracles. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you have heard that, that for myself and for millions of other Christians across the ages, we know God has not stopped doing miracles. Martha will never believe that God stopped doing miracles because he sent an angel to shove a light bulb into a socket and turn it. We still have a miracle-working God. And the second thing this morning before we get to our text is this. Jesus is concerned about what we are concerned about. Now, probably bad English. I'm glad that uh, there's no English teachers here. I hope there's not. That's probably not the best English, but I wanted to say it that way. Jesus is concerned about what we are concerned about. And that's why I like this text. This text from John 2. So if you have your devices or you have a paper Bible, would you turn to John 2, starting in verse 1. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Now I'm going to just uh, step outside of the text here for a second and give you some context. It is very possible that this wedding was for a family member or a very close friend of Mary and Jesus. Because Mary has an involvement in the preparations. Mary is not a wedding planner. They didn't have wedding planners back then. So when a wedding took place, it was usually family or close friends that took care of the details. And Mary's behind the scenes here. Mary knows what is going on. So it is very possible that Mary and Jesus were either related to, by blood somehow, a cousin, second cousin, once removed, or this was a family that their family was close to. So Mary was there, and then Jesus and his disciples were also invited. Verse 3, let's continue. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. 
Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now let me explain a few things here. In first century Palestine, a wedding was a major social event. And many of the wedding parties, the celebrations, could be a week long. And in this culture, it was the groom's family who paid for everything, not the bride's family. It was one big long party filled with food, drink, and celebration. Running out of wine, and I'm going to quote now from uh, John MacArthur, running out of wine could have stigmatized the couple and their family for the rest of their lives. It could even have left the groom and his family open to a lawsuit by the bride's family for failing to meet their responsibilities. That seems pretty harsh as far as I'm concerned, but I didn't live in that culture. So the groom's family would make the arrangements to make sure that everything was covered and that things like the wine would last all the way through the party. Yet something happened. The wine ran out. Mary heard about this. We don't know why the, the wine ran out. Was the groom's family pinching pennies? Did more people show up than they had expected? We don't know why the wine ran out. But the one thing was for sure is as soon as word spread that there was no more wine to drink, the family would have been embarrassed, possibly even humiliated. Would there have been a lawsuit? I don't know. I would tend to say if, if uh, their friends were nice, you know, they would, they would overlook it because mistakes happen all the time. But Mary saw it, and Mary didn't want this family to be humiliated. Mary didn't want this family to have to face not being prepared. So she goes to her son, and she says, they have no more wine. And Jesus said, well, my time's not yet. But then listen to what she said right there in verse 6. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Remember, Jesus is concerned about what you and I are concerned about. Jesus cares about little things like Martha's frustration of not being able to get a light bulb in place, of maybe having to get Kevin to come in on another day or coming and asking a staff member. And I want to tell you something about Martha. Martha did not like to disturb us to help her with her job because she wanted to make sure that our time was used on other things. So it would have been rare. So I could imagine what she was thinking down there in that basement when God sent somebody invisible, an angel, to help her. But that's not the only story we're going to share this morning about, about someone who Jesus was concerned about. Mr. Jack, would you make your way up to the stage, please? He has a story about a miracle that God did for he and Mary, more specifically for you. Hang on a second. Does it say mute? You got it muted up there? 
Well, it died. It did die. I can speak loud. No, you can't. No, I can't. Because the people at home will not be able to oh. hear you. Let's try Nathaniel's. Go for it. Does this mean I have to sing the answer now? <laughs> yeah. uh, so I was, uh, this was a long time ago. I do remember this event from my 20s. I was a systems programmer. Uh, Mary and I had a discussion about this this weekend. We can't remember what company I was working for, but we remember the event. I was sick as a dog in bed, and I remember telling Mary, man, they're gonna be getting new hardware that I'm gonna have to go, I was a systems programmer, so I did software, I'm gonna have to go program into the system the minute it shows up. Well, I could barely, like, leave the bathroom. I mean, I was that sick. And sure enough, the phone rang. It wasn't a cell phone, by the way. It was one of those ones you with the buttons and you have to pick it up. And, yeah, it was that kind of phone. Yeah, I picked it up and I answered it, and I was like, oh, I knew it. The hardware had come in, and I had to go in and configure it. And I was laying there in bed, and I was had, like, I, it was bad. And I just remember praying, God, you got to heal me. I got to go do this now. And the minute I prayed that, I instantly popped out of bed and went to work, and I never was sick again. Well, at least then. And I was able to uh, get the work done. It was amazing. I'd never experienced anything like that before in my life. Thank you, Jack. Mm -hmm. So what we're hearing is God does care. Yeah, give it up for our Lord Jesus. <laughs> give it up. Jesus is concerned about what concerns you. Jack had a major project that he needed to do for his employer. You were the only one that could actually do this. So if you remained sick, everything was going to get delayed and delayed and delayed. One prayer to our Lord Jesus about healing, and boom, you were healed. Now, his employer benefited, but he was healed. Jesus is concerned about what concerns you. Jesus was concerned about the groom. He was concerned about his family. He was concerned about them running out of wine. And so Mary asked him for some help. And even though he said his time had not yet come, he still met the need. Picking it up in verse 6. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washings. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Now, you all know what a 55-gallon drum is like. About half the size of that. Six of them. A lot of water was in those things. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over and he says, a host always serves the best wine first. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, one thing I want you to see is how quiet this miracle took place. 
We have been trained by modern media. Anytime something happens supernaturally in modern media, whether it's one of the Marvel superheroes, whether it's some type of a supernatural thing, anytime supernatural occurrences happen, there's a swoosh. There's the flailing of arms or the waving of arms. There's smoke that arises or sparks or lightning, something that shows that energy and power. The emperor in Star Wars is shooting sparks out of his fingers, and Luke Skywalker and whoever the last one was, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. It was Ray, thank you, who, who shot fingers. Anytime there's power, some type of supernatural power, in the movies, it's all bright and flashy. and There's none of that. They fill these jars with water to the top. Jesus says, now go take some to the master of ceremonies. And if you're looking for the pop or you're looking for the snap and crackle and the Rice Krispies, it's not there because sometime quietly, from the moment that those jars were filled till the moment that the master of ceremonies tasted, it went from water to wine. At a molecular level, what was H2O turned into the juice of grapes fermented, possibly sweetened, and ready to be consumed. No fanfare, no waving of a wand or waving of his hand. Jesus created between 120, now think of this, Jesus created between 120 and 180 gallons of really good wine. The best wine that was served in this celebration that had been days and days and days. And since it was probably at the end of the celebration that the wine ran out, one scholar says this, whatever was left was a really nice wedding present for the couple. Gallons and gallons and gallons of wine. When you think about this miracle in the light, in light of the others Jesus did, you know, think about this. In light of the other miracles that Jesus did where he fed hungry people, where he healed damaged bodies, withered arms, blinded eyes, ears that could not hear, tongues that could not speak. When he lifted people up that were so crippled that they couldn't walk, when he actually raised people from the dead, there's no major need here. All we have is a family that's going to suffer some embarrassment. No one was delivered from the power of Satan. No one was raised from the dead. But I am so glad that this miracle is in the Bible. Now, certainly the Bible says that Jesus' disciples believed in him because of this miracle. But look, they're going to see hundreds if not thousands of other miracles. They're going to have plenty of time to believe. Jesus did not have to turn water into wine unless God saved this for the purpose that it speaks to me about. And that is that Jesus is concerned about things that we often consider to not be that big of a deal. His only purpose in doing this miracle, or at least one of his purposes in doing this miracle, is to save a family from embarrassment. No one was going to die because the wine ran out. And that leads me to the third point that I want to make today. Too often we fail to ask Jesus because it feels like something trivial. 
I want you to think about this. What haven't you prayed for because it seems like that would be bothering God because it's not that important? What haven't you prayed for because it would seem like you're bothering God with something that you might think is insignificant or trivial? If it is important to you, it's important to Jesus. This need was important to the family, and I don't think they even found out about it till later because Mary took care of it. It was important to Mary that her friends or family members, whichever they may be, did not suffer embarrassment, did not suffer humiliation, that the guests would be taken care of. It was important to her, so she went to her son and said, what are we going to do to help these folks? Too often we fail to ask Jesus because it feels like something trivial. Maybe you haven't prayed about your job. You know, you've been frustrated about your job or it's not the job that you think you should have or you've got some employees that you either work with or supervise or you've got a supervisor. Have you prayed about it? Oh, well, that's not that big of a deal. I'll just push through. Well, that may be what God wants you to do, but haven't you prayed for that? Shouldn't you pray for that? Maybe a relationship? Maybe it's a financial need? Number four, Jesus loves to be asked and included in your life. Jesus loves to be asked and included in your life. Too often we fail to ask because it feels like something trivial, but Jesus is waiting to be asked. There are rare occasions, I don't know if Martha offered up a little prayer out of frustration. I know she prayed about her job regularly. I know that she considered it to be a great honor to be serving this church and serving the Lord through her janitorial things. Sometimes God will miraculously break through without there being a specific ask. But most of the time, he's waiting for us to ask. In the book of James, it says, you have not because you ask not. You have not because you Ask not. Jesus loves to be asked and included in your life. I knew Daniel was going to be here this morning. Come on up, my friend. See if we can get this one to work. There it is. I asked him, I said, you know, you've been a missionary. You've been uh, in ministry for a while. Is there anything that God did miraculous for you? And he said, sure, I'll share a story. So let's hear what happened in Daniel's life. So being the missionary uh, for Indiana and Ohio, I'm sure that you could guess that as we're fundraising, I travel a lot, uh, sometimes 1,000, 2,000 miles a week. Uh, usually it takes people three months to travel 3,500 miles. We'll do that in three weeks easily. And I was doing all of that in a 2007 Dodge Caravan that was rusted up, busted up. It was the base model. Uh, nothing nice about it, and honestly, it was pretty embarrassing to drive around in, and, and things just kept going wrong in it, kept going wrong. In fact, one day, between uh, meetings that I had one day and the meetings that I had the next, the radiator busted and the radiator fan busted, and I had to replace both of those between my meetings that day and the meetings the next day. And so we were kind of counting down the miles that we had left on this car. Um, you know, we were looking forward to our speed the light vehicle, but you can't get that until you're fully funded. And so we were like, okay, I think that this can last. You know, we're doing the math, hoping, okay, I think this can last until we get fully funded and get a, can get our speed the light vehicle. And we were just kind of like, okay, I guess this is 
what we've got to work with, and, you know, it's just going to have to work. Um, but, you know, me and my wife started putting together, okay, in our next vehicle, we want this. In our next vehicle, we want this. We want so-and-go seating. We need a third row. da 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 on down the line. And then one day, uh, a pastor calls us over to his house, and we didn't know why. But he, he hands, he says, look, people don't see how hard you work, but I want you to know that we see it and that God sees it. And he hands me an envelope, and in it is a title and keys <laughs> to a 2010 Ford Flex, the nicest car that we have ever had. <laughs> um, and literally, it went through and marked off all of the boxes that we had made for this checklist. And things that didn't even matter. <laughs> things like heated seats. <laughs> I don't need heated seats. You know, the, the climate control, the, the, all of these things that are little things that aren't necessary, but they sure do make life a little bit easier when I'm living in the car <laughs> for, for hours and hours every week. And how I felt it was exactly as, as, as you're saying. God cares about even the smallest little details, not even the things that are necessary. Sometimes we pray for the necessary things, and that's what we were praying. I'd be driving this car, Lord, let it go another uh, 100,000 miles. Lord, let it go another 100,000 miles. And I wasn't even praying for, for heated seats and a nice stereo. I was just, Lord, don't let me break down on my way to this next meeting. But God cared about even the smallest little detail. Thank you, Daniel. Jesus is interested in you, you, your burdens, your needs, your worries, those things that you have been bringing to him in prayer and some of the things that you haven't been bringing to him in prayer. My purpose this morning and, and really the story that Martha told at lunch about three weeks ago was kind of the seed for this message because I want you to leave today remembering, maybe being reminded of, maybe knowing for the first time that our God does miracles for ordinary people like us who have needs. Since the purpose of changing water into wine was to save a family from embarrassment, it shows how much our Savior loves and cares for us. Don't ever be afraid of coming to Jesus with every single need you have. He loves you. He loves me. If it concerns you, then involve him. Seek his help. Maybe seek his insight. I've saved the last story. Well, I've saved this story for last. One, it's on video and a little longer. Two, I just want you to hear what happened to this pastor. His name is Pastor Joaquin, and so he's got a little bit of a Swedish accent. I've actually shared some of his stories previously, but this one was very personal to him, 
And it once again shows that there is a God who is looking out and caring for people. Would you watch this video? Let me tell you a story from there was a long time ago. My daughter Evelina was just five years old at the time. And we were in my car and she was in the back seat strapped to her car kids seat. I'm sure there's a better English word for that. But you understand what I'm getting at. So she was back there and I was driving. And I was driving home to get a document and then we would be on our way. And, um, you know, as I drove up to our driveway, see, at the time we lived in a house that I actually built myself. I'm very proud of that. Uh, and, and it was on a hill. So the driveway was kind of sloping. So every time I parked, I needed to make sure that the, you know, the gear is in, in parking mode and the, the emergency brake is pulled and everything. So I made sure of that. Then I turned to Evelina back in the back seat and I said, hey girl, I'm just gonna run in and get a document. You just sit there and, and uh, I'll be back in a minute, okay? I got a thumbs up from my five-year-old. I ran out of the car, ran up to the door, got the key out just as I was about to put the key in the door. I heard the most horrible crashing sound behind me. And I turned around and the car was not in the driveway anymore. It had rolled backwards out in the street, crossed the street, went straight through the fence of my neighbor's garden and was now parked inside my neighbor's garden. But Evelina was standing on the driveway, exactly where I parked the car. I ran up to her and I knelt and I said, Evelina, what happened? And she said, well, dad, you were gone for so long. <laughs> it's been like eight seconds, okay? That's what I try to tell my wife later on. It was like eight seconds. You were gone for so long. So I was just sitting in the back seat going, I wonder how that emergency brake really works. So she unbuckled herself and crawled to the front seat, put the gear in neutral and let go of the emergency brake. I got a very clever five-year-old there. <laughs> But then I asked her, but, but the car must have gone backwards immediately. How did you get out of the car? Because even if she managed to open the door, the car going backwards, the door would have crushed her. And she was standing at the exact same spot where I parked the car. And she looked at me and said, well, dad, an angel lifted me out. And she shared her story about how she let go of the emergency brake. And immediately it was like time stopped. And she saw this angel coming into the car, grabbed hold of her, carried her carefully out of the car and put her gently down on the driveway. And when I heard that, first of all, I honestly have to say, said, okay, angel, if you were busy getting my daughter out of the car, could you have stopped the car? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's horrible. That's horrible. I didn't think that at all. I didn't think that at all. I was just amazed by the fact that God intervened to save my daughter from this trauma. And I remember that night as Maria and I, my wife and I, was kneeling and just giving thanks to God. God spoke to me. And it was one of those rare occasions where I almost could hear his voice audibly inside of me. And he said, you have no idea how many attacks of the enemy that was sent out toward you and your family that fell down to the ground even before you knew about them because of your thanksgiving. And I'll never forget that. With that, I'm not saying that if you've suffered uh, tragedies or hard times in your family, I'm not saying that that is because you haven't thanked God enough. 
that it doesn't work that way. This is a broken world and we don't know why things happen. But I do believe that if you just keep thanking God and keep thanking God, sooner or later, freedom will come. Sooner or later, freedom will come. As we begin to wind down, Jesus cares about you. He cares about the little. He cares about the large. He desires to be invited into your area of concern. For me, I'm personally happy that Jesus changed water into wine because it helps me to remember that he's concerned about me and my problems, my oversights, and my mistakes. But you may be saying something, okay, pastor, but where's my miracle? I've been praying for a long time about this. Where's my miracle? Where's my miracle? I've just stopped praying because I've been praying and praying and God hasn't answered. The last point this morning is this. When we ask Jesus in faith, we can be confident that he will respond with the right answer at the right time. There have been times I have not liked the answer I received from the Lord because sometimes it was a no. Sometimes I had to wait a while. But here's what I've learned, and as a team makes their way to the platform, here's what I've learned. I've learned to trust his timing. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but there is somebody that you are so frustrated right now because it seems like God is not working. It seems like God has not met your need. I can tell you this from my many years of walking with the Lord, you can trust his timing. There were things that Sherry and I thought we wanted that God said no to, but then later on it became very apparent why we didn't get that thing because God sent us either in another direction or met the need in a different way. Over the years that I have walked, I have learned to trust his timing. And if you're frustrated with where you are with things and you've been praying about something or maybe even you stopped praying about something because it just seems like nothing has happened I just want to remind you about this last point. When we ask Jesus in faith, we can be confident that he will respond with the right answer at the right time. We need to learn to trust his timing. God loves you and God loves me enough not to give us things that are not best for us or that are not best for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Now, I'm, I'm going to just share from my heart. God has said no to some things in my life. Because while I really wanted them, they weren't necessarily best for the advancement of the kingdom of God. I submitted my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I have submitted my life to him as a pastor. And I said, you're the boss. And when the boss decides to withhold something, or the boss decides to give something, or the boss decides to make me wait especially when our boss is God, then we know he will take care of us. Maybe what you've been asking for is not best for the advancement of the kingdom. Maybe right where you are is best for you for the advancement of the kingdom of God and best for the kingdom. I don't have all the answers, but I go back to this one statement. You may want to write it down. There's some white space in your notes. I have learned to trust his timing. Maybe you want to make it a prayer. God, help me learn to trust your timing. 
Help me learn to trust your goodness, that you know what is best and when it's best. Help me to trust your goodness. Help me to trust your timing. Your boss. And as the boss, he can say yes, he can say no, or he can say not now. And will you be at peace with that? Will you be at peace with that? Trusting him. Jesus loves you. He loves you more than you can imagine. And I want you to walk out of here today with faith stirred in your heart because God is still a God who does miracles. You've heard stories from four different people of how God intervened. Know that God is hearing your prayers and then be able to trust him with the timing of his responses. Bow your heads as I pray over you and the team leads us in a little song of dedication, a song to remind us of things. Lord Jesus, we are here today. Lord, it was good to hear that you are still doing miracles and it was great to hear stories, stories of you meeting little needs like helping Martha get a light bulb in which is usually a very frustrating job for her. Hearing about how you healed a man in an instant because his employment required that he get a computer system up and running. Hearing how you decided not to bless Daniel and his family with an extra 100,000 miles on their vehicle, but you met their need by bringing a whole new vehicle into their life with not just what they asked for, but more of the bells and whistles that have proved to be helpful to them. But Lord, I think sometimes when you meet the needs like that, it just helps us to know that you're there and that you care and that you are a God of blessing. Father, I pray that stories like these would become the constant stories that this church tells each other. Oh, let me tell you about what God did for me this week. Or let me tell you about what God did last month. Or let me tell you about what God did just this morning. Father, we thank you for the miracles that have been poured into our lives. May what has been spoken and shared this morning Help to encourage those individuals who are struggling right now because they don't know how they're going to get through. Oh, miracle-working God, may something rise up in their heart that they said, I don't know how I'm going to get through, but I know my God is going to be with me. Thanks for joining us for this message from Columbus First Assembly. If this message has blessed you in any way, would you share it on your social media feeds so that others can be blessed also? If you would like to join us for an in-person service and you're close to us, we are in Columbus, Indiana, then uh, our services start at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and our church is located on the corner of 10th and Iowa. Once again, thanks for joining us. Look forward to having you join us again soon.